Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Good morning and welcome today to Canton Church. I hope that you've already been welcomed a bunch of times in the parking lot, in the lobby. I know you already have a couple of times from the stage right here, but welcome to what I refer to as the sleepiest Sunday of the year. It all started Thursday morning. You woke up extra early to start cooking a turkey and all kinds of other food, and you cooked for hours and hours and hours only for it to be really appreciated for like seven and a half minutes, and it's just devoured in that time, and then you're like, what just happened? A tornado went off, and then you spend the next hour like washing dishes, and then you have the Rubik's Cube. That is the most complex thing of the year of figuring out how do you fit all of the leftovers into the refrigerator because it never fits. And so it's like, how many casseroles can I stack on top of each other in the refrigerator? And then you got the whole Black Friday shopping. And so you lay out the newspaper ads. And if you're anything like me, you've got like the big board where you're like mapping out your map and route and where you're going to hit and what time you plan on hitting it. And then you go shopping. And if you're like me, you do the Thursday night Black Friday because you don't want to wake up early on Friday. Or maybe you hit it Friday and you go hard all day and it's exciting and fun. And then football and leftover turkey and then a turkey sandwich and then some more football and then some more turkey. And you had turkey yesterday like three times and then you had to have it for breakfast today because you're not letting it go to waste this year like you did last year. And so you're about turkeyed out. You're exhausted because you stayed up and watched Texas A&M and LSU go into seven overtimes last night. It's crazy. And so you're here right now and you're exhausted. Like, you got time off work, and you're like, vacation, it's going to be great. The kids are out of school, family, and you're expecting, like, restful peace. And you're here, it's Sunday morning, and your head is spinning because you're like, where did the last week go? I'm exhausted, and newsflash, Monday morning's coming. I'm so sorry. It's going to be here tomorrow, back to normal, school, school buses, extra traffic. Everybody's going to be motivated to get back to work on time. So it's going to take forever to get anywhere. And you're exhausted, and you're not ready, and you have leftover turkey, but you don't want to send that with your kids to school tomorrow, and so you're like, I got to go to the grocery store, but you're sick of food, and you're sick of all of it, and you're just tired. And so here's, I get it, here's my goal for today, my goal for today with all of you is just to keep you awake. I know you're sleepy, and so here's the thing, if you have to take a power nap, if you've got to get a little nap in today, just figure out a way to like keep your head propped up with these bright lights. I can't really see your eyes anyway, so if it looks like you're looking at me, like I'm, you're with me and I'm excited that you're staying awake. If you don't know that you can stay awake because you're still in the turkey, turkey hangover stage of Thanksgiving, like just make sure you have somebody next to you that can nudge you when you start snoring. Just we don't want any distractions today, but I get it. You're tired. It's been a long couple of days. Thanksgiving's supposed to be restful and it is chaos every year, but it's fun, isn't it? The family, the tradition, it's exciting. But today, I'm so excited to have the opportunity and the honor to come and to speak to all of you. I regularly stand on this stage, but doing announcements or offering or things like that. And I love every opportunity that Pastor Jeremy gives me to come and to speak and just to share what God's placed in my heart to share with the incredible people of Canton Church. And so I'm excited to do that 
today. Today, I have titled my sermon Rooftop Diggers, and that's very confusing. Um, but we're going to get there, and it's going to all make sense in the end, I promise. So just stay awake so you can hear, and you'll go, oh, I see now. I get it. But I want to read out of Mark chapter 2 to get us going today. So you can go ahead and throw that up on the screen. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large number that there was no room left, not even outside the door, as he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Verse 5 or 4, it says, Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. So verse 5 is there. This is verse 11. So from 6 through 10, I know I skipped it. It wasn't my accident. 6 through 10, I encourage you to go read it later. It's a conversation that Jesus has with some of the other people that are there in the house. Really cool conversation. Again, read that later on today. So skip ahead to verse 11. That's the next time he directly references and talks to the lame man that's now on the floor at his feet on his mat. He says, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is a cool story. This is a story that you, if you've been around church or any length of time, you've probably heard, you've probably heard preached, you've probably heard preached better than I'm going to preach it today. But I am excited to talk to you about this story, and it's one of my favorites, and I've heard this story, and I've read this story bunch of times. I think probably the first time I ever heard this story was Sunday school class growing up at church used by the felt board. Anybody know what a felt board is? If you don't know what a felt board is, you haven't lived. It's exactly what you think it would be though. It's a board with felt on it and then they take these little like felt like characters that are cut out of a big piece of felt and then they'll stick right on it. The felt will stick to the felt and they'll tell the Bible stories by using the felt figures on the felt board. And it's how I've pretty much learned all of the Bible when I was a kid. And so I can remember this story and others on the felt board. But this story has so many different characters and aspects to the story. And so obviously, the first and the main one is Jesus. You've got Jesus as a part of this story. And he's kind of the central focus point of every story in the gospel that's surrounding Jesus. Like it's him, it's the son of God. So yes, he's the most important aspect. He's the one who's performing the miracle by the power of the son, or he is the son of God. So by the power of God working through him. And so Jesus is a center focus of this story. Obviously, we have the lame man. He's a big character in this story. He's the guy that these men carry, drop through the roof at the feet of Jesus. Jesus looks to him and says, because of your faith, your sins are forgiving. Now get up, take your mat, and go home. And he walks out in front of everybody. It's an incredible miracle. God doing awesome things. And it's all about that guy's life and his life being changed forever. So you got Jesus. you got the lame man. you got this crowd of people as the scripture said, like they're just, the house is full and people outside the house are pressed up against the door. And you got to imagine there's people like out in the yard just trying their best to hear one or two words that Jesus has to say or maybe catch a glimpse of him by peering over someone's shoulder and trying to press up against this doorway and just peer in to just catch a glimpse of what's going on. So you've got the crowd. But the part of the story and the characters of the story that I really want to focus on today is this group of men. 
this group of guys that were on their way themselves to see Jesus, and they see this lame man on the side of the road that decide to pick him up and take them with him to Jesus. Once they get there, can't get him in the house the normal way, decide to go to the roof, drop him into a hole so that he can get down to Jesus. That's the group of people that I today want to spend our time talking about and really figuring out if you and I say that we are followers of Jesus, how do we act more like this group? Of men. And so that's today why I titled our sermon for the rest of the time that we're going to talk about is how do we be rooftop diggers? And so today I think that there are three things that we can learn from this story that we must be willing to do if we want to be rooftop diggers. And that the first of these is that we must be willing to sacrifice our time. If you and I want to be a rooftop digger, if we want to live to the full potential of the call of God on our lives, and that is to go and to serve people as Christ came and served people then we must be willing to sacrifice our time. This group of guys, like I said a minute ago, were walking along to go see Jesus, and we don't know the backstory of this group. We don't know that one of them didn't need to go and have a miracle themselves done by God. We didn't know as they're going along, and there's this lame man on the side of the road, and they go and they pick him up, four of them, probably at each corner of the mat, and carry him to go to Jesus. We don't know if they knew the lame man. Maybe one of them, it was like a distant third cousin, and they see each other at Thanksgiving, and they hang out at Christmas time. I don't know. Maybe it was someone who they grew up landed down the road, and their moms were friends, or I don't know. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us the relationship that they had from this group of guys to the lame man. Maybe they were strangers. Maybe they did this completely out of just the kindness of their heart to a complete stranger. They're walking by, there's this man on the side of the road, and they said, I want to help that guy. But what we do know is that this group of guys stopped, and they sacrificed their time, and they gave of their talent, they gave of their ability, they gave of their time. They sacrificed what they had, and what they had was time to help someone else. They put someone else's needs before their own needs. And if you and I want to be rooftop diggers, you and I must be willing to sacrifice our time. If we read in the story in Mark chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Some men came bringing him, to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. There's a group of guys that said, My time is more valuable spent serving someone else than it is on myself. So I'm going to go and I'm going to serve someone else. The second thing that we must be willing to do if we're going to be rooftop diggers. We must be willing to do whatever it takes. We've got to be willing to do whatever it takes. Before we moved into this building, before we started having church services here, Pastor Jeremy referenced this last Sunday, but before we met here, we met out of a high school. We were a portable church that met in Sequoia High School for 209 Sundays. There's 209 rocks on the front of the stage to represent the Sundays that God had us in that building. And so we were there for 209 Sundays. And Portable Church is awesome. It's a lot of fun. It really is. It's a lot of work, but it's incredible. You get to connect to people. You get to do ministry, just hands-on physical work together. It's awesome. And so what we would do is we would get there early. We would drive trucks that usually broke down on the way there. But we would drive trucks to Sequoia High School. We'd back them up to the different entrances. We would unload the trucks, set everything up. The worship team would then rehearsal, rehearse so that they could be ready for Sunday morning. We would have worship service. We'd have this, all of that. And then after service, when someone says amen, when they were dismissed and people started walking out, Everybody who was a volunteer or that we could just pay whatever it took to get them to stay and help us. I'm kidding. We didn't pay people. 
But we would get everybody that was willing to stay and help. We would tear everything down. We would put it in the trucks, and we would drive the trucks back to wherever they would go. And that was it. We would do that every Sunday, every Sunday of the year, and it was awesome. And God did incredible things while we were in that season. And so many of the people that are sitting in this room came to us while we were in that season, and it was amazing. And God just did unbelievable things while we were in Sequoia High School. But I can remember one Sunday in particular where we were there, and it was about 8.15, 8.20. So we've been there for like 20, 30, maybe 40 minutes, some of us. The worship team or the media team and the trucks got there a little earlier. But all the volunteers got there about 8 o'clock. And I can remember everybody was there, and about 8.15, someone went into the restrooms. And they came out of the restrooms and said, none of the toilets will flush, and none of the sinks will work. We're like, okay, well, let's go try everything. So we went, and we tried all of the bathrooms, and then we like tried all the water fountains, nothing, no water. So we called our contact at the school. We said, hey, there's no water. And they're like, there's a water main break. They're not going to have it fixed by the time you're in your service. We're so sorry. There's nothing we can do. So a group of us gathered in the, audit, in the lobby of Sequoia High School. And we're standing there. And it was one of those, what are we going to do moments? And as we're having this conversation and we're discussing the fact that we have to have water because at that point we fed our volunteers every Sunday morning because they got there early they stayed late, and we had to have water to be able to feed them, and we had to have water for some of the things that we did in our kids' classrooms, and then we had to have water for people to be able to use the bathroom, because if you have several hundred people come in and no toilet can flush, you get the picture. It's not going to be pretty after a while. You got to be able to flush a toilet. You got to have water for people to be able to wash their hands. Like, we, we have to have water. We can't do service without water, and so the statement was made, well, we should probably just cancel service then. We should probably just not have church today. And I can remember there was a group of guys kind of standing off to the side, and they were having a conversation, and they said one of these phrases, and I love every time this is said. They said, I've got a crazy idea. And so we listened, and they said, he's got a pickup truck, and I live really close to here. What if instead of me and him, what if instead of us attending service, what if all Sunday morning long we drive back and forth to my house with trash cans in the bed of the pickup truck that we use as water hose to fill up the trash cans so that we can then bring the trash cans back to the school and go carry them into the, toilet, into the bathrooms, pour water into the toilet so that it can flush. Someone goes in. When they come out, we'll go back in. We'll refill the toilet so that the next person can go in. We'll go to the grocery store. We'll buy gallon jugs of water so that we can do all of the other things. And we'll buy hand sanitizer so that when people go to the bathroom, they can use the hand sanitizer to wash their hands. And it was one of those, I've got a crazy idea moments where someone said, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for us to have church today. Because here's the reality. We didn't just have church that day just to say, like, we muscled through so that we could say that we did it. We had church that day. Because we didn't know who was going to be showing up that Sunday that needed to hear Jesus. We didn't know who was going to be showing up that Sunday that, that might be saying, I'm going to give God one last shot. Because here's the reality. It's, it's, it's easy sometimes for us to tell who's, who's here for the first time. Like, everybody's been the first-time person once. So, like, you walk in, and you're looking for where am I supposed to go, where do I go to the bathroom, and what do I do with my kids? So you're looking for those three signs, right? And so you walk in. So it's easy sometimes for us to tell who's the new person. It's impossible for us to tell who's giving this one last shot. I can tell sometimes when someone's coming in for the first time, but I can't tell when someone might be coming in for the last time. 
And so what we've said as a church is that we're going to do whatever, whatever is possible with our human hands. Ultimately, it's up to God to do something in their life. But wherever it's up to us, we're going to do whatever's possible so that we can make sure that that person has an opportunity to come in and to meet with the Father. And so that Sunday, there's a group of guys that said, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And if it takes me going back and forth and filling trash cans up with water, and if it takes me going in and out of a bathroom all Sunday morning, filling a toilet with water, then that's what I'm going to do because I want to do whatever it takes because the person who might be coming to give God one last shot, I want them to have that shot. I can remember another Sunday. We got there. We got everything set up. We were mere moments from the worship team starting rehearsal, and the power to the school went out. A transformer at the road blew, and it was, I mean, pitch black in that room. You couldn't see anything. Some of the rooms that we used for some of our kids' classrooms didn't have windows. They were dark. So we, again, met in the circle out in the lobby, having the conversation. It was too dark in there. None of the sound equipment works because none of the power plugs work. Transformer's not going to get fixed till this afternoon. I guess we're just going to have to cancel service. If you've ever been to Sequoia High School, you walk into the main lobby, and to the right is the gymnasium, to the left is the auditorium, but straight down is kind of this long atrium hallway, and at the end of it, there's about four stairs that go up to this platform, where there's then two sets of stairs that go up to do two different hallways on the back side of the building. And Pastor Jeremy was kind of standing there in the circle listening to us as we're trying to all kind of brainstorm, and he said, I got a crazy idea. Again, I love that statement. He said, what if we just find some instruments that don't have to be plugged in and have power? And what if we just find every chair that's available in Sequoia High School that's not bolted to the floor? What if we put all the chairs in this hallway? And what if we stand on that platform of those stairs, of that stairwell? What if we have church right here? And we did it. And it wasn't so that we can laugh about today the fact that Pastor Jeremy stood on the tops of the stairs with the Sequoia Chief mural that's like 20 foot tall painted behind him. And it looks hilarious, by the way. It's not so that we can just laugh about that and have those memories. It's because we didn't want someone that might be giving God one last shot to walk up to the doors of Sequoia High School and pull and the door be locked. And they said, that's it. God, if you can't even have the doors open for me, then why will I ever give you another shot? And so we said, you know what? Wherever it's up to us, we're going to do whatever it takes so that we can make sure someone can come in and they can meet with the Father today. If we go back to our story, go ahead and throw the verse up. Verse 4. It says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Every time I read stories like this in Scripture, I love to kind of dissect the story. Because like we can see kind of the highlights of the story, but you know there's other things that are taking place in the story. And I try to kind of picture like what would this scenario be? And I can imagine this group of guys and four of them are carrying this lame man on a mat and they're walking up to the front of this house. And the house is packed and there's people pressed up against the front door. And I got to imagine they walked up and they're on the backside of this crowd and they, maybe they're saying, excuse me, excuse us, we're trying to get to Jesus. Excuse us, we're trying to get through Excuse us, a lame man coming through, let us by. Nothing, nobody's moving. Maybe there's one mean guy in the crowd that's like, wait your turn, get in the back, get out of here, I don't know. But maybe they come over and they set him down and they walk over here and they have a conversation and they're like, that's all we can do. Like we can't get him in, we tried, like we got him this far, we got him this close to Jesus. And one of the guys maybe was like, 
let's just try one more time. So they go and they pick him up. They walk to the back of the crowd, excuse us, let us by. Lame man, trying to get through, trying to get him to Jesus. Nothing. Can't get through the crowd. So they go and they set him down and they come back over here and they're like, what are we going to do? Maybe one of the guys was like, well, we set him right next to the sidewalk. And when Jesus comes out of the house, Jesus is going to have to pass right by him. And if we stand on the other side of the sidewalk, we'll be right next to Jesus and we'll be able to watch when Jesus heals that guy as Jesus leaves the house. We've done good. We've got him all the way to where as Jesus leaves, Jesus has to walk right by him. We've done enough. Maybe some of the guys in the group kind of agreed to that. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, there's no way to get him in. That'll work. But I got to imagine. I got to imagine that there's one guy, and he's kind of standing there watching, looking, trying to figure something out. And he had one of those, I got a crazy idea statements. And he turns to his friends and he goes, guys, I got a crazy idea. Just go with me for a minute. What if, we, what if we got some rope and we took the rope and the lame guy and we took him up to the roof? Now, I got to imagine that their group had a friend in that group was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, you've lost your privilege to talk for the rest of the day, right? Like, that was like, that's a terrible idea. Why are we going to take the guy to the roof? Jesus is in the house, not on the house. You're dumb. Like, that's a terrible idea. We're not doing that. And he's like, no, go with me. Hear me out. What if we take the lame guy, get some rope, go up on the roof? What if we dig a hole in the roof, tie the rope to his mat, and lower him down to Jesus? That's a crazy idea. Somehow he convinced all of his friends to do it, though. And they take this guy up on the roof, and you got to picture the crowd, right? There's all these people standing out of the house, and they're like, what are they doing to that guy? Are they going to throw him off the roof? Like, what is, what's happening? Why are they taking a lame guy on the roof? And then they start digging, and they're digging, and then they finally bust through. And you got to imagine that some dirt and debris fell down into the living room, maybe on top of Jesus. They're nervous, like, don't let any big pieces hit Jesus in the head. <laughs> and they're digging, and they finally get this hole big enough. And they tie the rope to it, and they lower him down, and they lay the man right at the feet of Jesus. And here's the reality. There's a group of guys that said, I'm willing to sacrifice my time, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help this guy get to his miracle. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help this guy get to the feet of Jesus got to sacrifice your time. you got to be willing to do whatever it takes. The third thing that we must be willing to do if we want to be rooftop diggers, we must be willing to not be in the room when the miracle happens. Go ahead and throw that next verse up there. Verse, verse 5, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This story, culmination right here. It's awesome. A guy who's lame, a guy who cannot walk, stands up, grabs his mat, and walks by all those people that wouldn't let him walk in the back or get carried in the back. It's incredible. Jesus does this awesome miracle, only a thing that the Son of God or only the thing that God can do. Heals this guy, and it's amazing awesome. It's unbelievable. It's a God miracle. But how did that guy get to Jesus? He didn't get himself there. 
He didn't walk in. He didn't drag himself in. He didn't pay anybody to get in there. But there was a group of guys who said, I'm going to sacrifice my time. And then I'm going to do whatever it takes. And then they weren't even in the room when the miracle took place. They were on the roof. They weren't there. Maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe they were able to kind of stick their head down through the hole that they had dug and they were able to see. Maybe they had the best view. They had like drone view, like overhead, like watching this happen. It was incredible. But they weren't in the room. They were stuck on the roof. Unable to be a witness of what God did that only God can do. To be a rooftop digger, got to be willing to sacrifice your time. Got to be willing to do whatever it takes. And then you got to be willing to not be in the room when the miracle happens. There's a group of people every single Sunday. In fact, there's a group of people right now that aren't in this room. There are people that are in the parking lot. There are people at the doors. There are people all throughout the lobby doing things. There are people in different kids' classrooms loving on and teaching kids about Jesus, and they're rock stars. But you know, every Sunday during both of our services, there's a group of people that the front doors, as you come in and out, they wash those windows every single Sunday while you're in service, both services. It's because it's a group of people that said, I'm willing to do whatever it takes and not be in the room so that someone else can come into this place and so someone else can get their miracle. There's a guy by the name of Steve Robertson. Steve and his family was actually sitting in this service. I told Steve this morning that I was going to be talking about him. But Steve, he and his wife, they're unbelievable parents. They've got six amazing kids. They adopted two. It's an, it's an amazing family. Steve and his family live in Marietta, which is about 30 minutes south of here, give or take, or with traffic, it's like seven hours south of here. And so they live down in Marietta. It takes him about 30-ish minutes to get up here. And just about every Sunday, if his family's not out of town, just about every Sunday, Steve shows up at about 8 o'clock, usually by himself, if he can't drag one of his kids with him. And he'll show up early on Sunday mornings in all of the parking signs in the parking lot you see. Steve comes and he sets all of those up. And he sets that sign down there, the A-frame sign, that when you pull in the parking lot, it points to direct you up the hill. Because if we didn't have that, people are really confused, like, why does the church meet in Sears? And so we put that sign down so that people know to turn left and come up the hill. And Steve puts this A-frame sign here so that people can know to turn right and to park over here. And he'll put all of those heavy concrete-based signs with the metal sign sticking on the top of it out so that parents with young kids know that they can park right up front to make it easier to get in and out of the building. But here's the part that most of you don't know. There are some Sundays that Steve drives, again, Marietta to Canton, 30 minutes, here by about 8 o'clock, sets all the parking stuff up, rains, shine, hot, cold, doesn't matter. And then there's some Sundays that when Steve finishes setting up the parking signs, he gets back in his car, and he drives 30 minutes south, back to Marietta, to go to work. But he said, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice my time. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And then I'm not going to be in the room when someone gets their miracle. Because you see, there's some Sundays that there's going to be a single mom that pulls in this parking lot. She's going to see that sign that Steve put down there, and she's going to know to turn left. She's going to come up here, and she's going to see that sign, and she's going to turn right. 
And she's going to see that we saved her spot right out front. And it's raining and it's cold. And she's so thankful that she gets to park up front because she's got a toddler and a baby. But she's got to get out of the back seat. And mom's in the room. You know when it's raining, you're just going to get wet. There's no arm for the umbrella. And so she's thankful that she gets to park as close to the building as she can. And so she hops out. She's there, and she's getting the, our carrier, and then she's going around to the other side and getting the toddler, and then we're so thankful that then JR's at the door to open the door and hold the door for her and help her in. And then she walks in, and then Brittany's standing at the information center, and Brittany helps her find where she's supposed to go to check her kids in. And she goes back there, and then Melissa's standing back there, and Melissa's helping her get checked in. And then they walk through the door, and Jimmy's standing at the door, and Jimmy's making sure that all the kids stay safe, and he gives the little kid a high five. And she goes back and she drops her first kid off at the first classroom. And Donna's standing there. And Donna makes her kids feel so welcomed and so glad and so excited that they're there that day. And she goes and she takes the baby. She's kind of anxious. She's got a baby. She doesn't want to know, really know. She wants to drop her baby off with someone that she doesn't know. But thankfully, Penny's in that room that day. Penny makes her feel so comfortable and so welcome. And, and this lady, as she's walking up, the single mom, she's walking up, she knows that Penny's going to love her child and take care of her child while she's in here. And then she walks back, and then Brad Neva had made her coffee, and she's cold and she's wet, so she wants a cup of coffee. And then she comes in this room. She sits in one of these seats, and Pastor Jeremy stands on this stage and starts talking about the goodness of God. And how no matter what you've done, God still loves you. You can't go too far. You can't outrun God's love. You haven't done too much. You haven't gone too far for God to still love you. And then he says this at the end. He says, hey, if you want to enter into a relationship with Jesus, raise your hand. And that single mom lifts her hand. She says, I want Jesus to come into my life. I want him to transform my heart. And then you know what happens a couple weeks or a couple months later? One of our staff pastors, Pastor Jeremy and myself, or one of our other staff pastors stands on that square right there. There's a water trough right there. And that, that mom stands on this square right here and standing here. Everybody's excited and the music's loud. And we turn to her with a microphone, stick a microphone in her face and say, what's your name and why do you want to be baptized? And she says, my name is this and I want to get baptized because, because the love of God has changed my life and it's changed my family's life and it's changed my kid's life. And some things have been restored in me and in my family and some things have changed in me and in my family and I want everybody to know it. And here's the reality of when those moments, and those are my favorite moments. I love Baptism Sunday. But here's the reality of that moment. There are, a pe there are a group of people that because she's standing here, because of them. There are a group of people that aren't in this room when she stands right there. There's a group of people that weren't in the room when she raised her hand that are 100% a part of her story. Because they said, I'm willing to sacrifice my time and I'm willing to do literally whatever it takes. And then I'm not even going to be in the room to see her lift her hand. Or I may not be in the room to watch her get baptized. Because I'm out there in one of those areas saying, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for the next person. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes for that next mom. Or I'm willing to do whatever it takes for that next dad. For that next son. Wednesday night student leaders, you're here saying, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for those students that walk in. Life group leaders, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for that person that walks into my living room in my life group to make sure that they know that they have an opportunity to get to the feet of the Father. It's about being rooftop diggers.
the reality is, is that your serving won't save you, but it might save someone else. I'm gonna say that one more time. Your serving won't save you, but your serving might save someone else. To you, it might just seem like a parking sign. To you, it might just seem like a pot of coffee or holding the door or a kid's check-in system or a kid's room or just a change in a diaper or wiping a window or cleaning up a bathroom or whatever it might be that you do here on a Sunday morning. But the person that raises their hand or the person that stands right there and says, my life has been changed by the ministries of Canton Church, you're a part of that story. You're a part of that person standing here. Because you said, I'm willing to sacrifice my time and do whatever it takes and not be in the room when that person gets their miracle. Because I'm ready for the next person that I can serve. To every person in this room that serves, thank you. From the bottom of my heart and from the bottom of Pastor Jeremy and our entire staff's heart, thank you for all that you do. What you do does not go unnoticed. You make a difference in this place. No matter what you do, you make a difference. What happens in this church wouldn't happen if it weren't for the volunteers of Canton Church. If you don't serve, this isn't the sales pitch, I promise. This isn't like, you should be serving. That's not what I'm up here to say, I promise. I believe that different seasons have different reasons. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes there are seasons of our lives where we need to just come and we just need to sit in church and we just need to get fed and soak up everything like a sponge and just get some things restored and some things healed and some things done and some things changed and get into the rhythm of just attending church as a family and to come and to grow and to worship and be present in church. There are seasons for that. And if you're in one of those seasons right now where you're just saying, like, God needs me to come and just get fed, awesome, keep doing that. Show up, be here, be in church, be in a life group. Jump into a, jump into a worship service, jump into a life group. That's incredible. But I also do believe that there are seasons where God might call you to sacrificially give of your time and to be willing to do whatever it takes and to be willing to not be in the room when someone else receives their miracle. And here's what I'm not up here to do today. I'm not up here to have you fill out a piece of paper that says, I feel like my season's changing or nothing. We're not going to say at the end, hey, raise your hand if you feel like you're supposed to change your season. None of that. I don't even want you to pray about it today. I want you to pray about it tomorrow morning when you're fighting mad in traffic. I'm serious. Tomorrow morning when you say, like, I think I just lost my salvation, like, that's the moment that I want you to turn to God while you're angry at the guy who just cut you off. And I want you to say, God, are you wanting to change my season? God, are you wanting me to jump from the season of just sitting and learning and growing and leaning into what you're teaching me? Are you wanting me to jump from that season to a season where I go and I serve and I sacrificially give up my time and I do whatever it takes and I'm not in the room when someone else receives a miracle? Different seasons have different reasons. And I do challenge you to pray that prayer, to ask God, God, what kind of season do you want me and my family to be a part of? I warn you, though, you're ready for the answer if you ask the question. You're ready. Because he may call you to do some things and be a part of some things 
And you're like, I never saw myself leading a life group. I never saw myself teaching a devotion. I never saw myself leading a middle school life group. I never saw myself being the person that's directing traffic. I never saw myself being the person that's cleaning a bathroom on a Sunday. I never saw myself being the person that's taking up the offering. Whatever it is. never saw myself in a nursery or in a kid's room loving on kids and teaching them about Jesus. So be ready. If you ask the question, be ready for the answer. My final question to you today is, do you want to be a rooftop digger? Are you willing to be a rooftop digger? Whether you are a volunteer at Canton Church or not, in your heart, are you willing to be a rooftop digger? Are you willing to sacrificially give of your time and do whatever it takes? It may not be in the room when someone gets their miracle you know what? You just say, you know what? I'm going to do whatever is humanly possible by these hands. I'm going to do whatever it takes. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would say to me today, Pastor Trevor, you know, before I can be a rooftop digger, before I can go and serve and go and give of my time and go and not be in the room and all of those things, before I can do any of that today, I just need to say, you know what? I need to I need a relationship with Jesus. Before I can go and serve him, I need to enter into a relationship. I need to say, God, I need you in my life. I want you to be the father of my life and the Lord and Savior of my life and forgive me of my sins and come and lead and guide my life. Today, if that's you, I just want you to lift your hand and then you can put it right back down. Thank you. Second thing, whether you volunteer at Canton Church or volunteer anywhere else or you're in a season where you need to to just be sitting and being fed and growing and learning and developing a deeper relationship with Jesus, wherever you might be on that. If you would say to me today, Pastor Trevor, you know, I, I want to be a rooftop digger. I want to be someone that's willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to, I want to be someone that's willing to give of my time, my energy, my resources, my talents, my abilities. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And then I'm okay not being there to see the miracle take place. That's you today. I just want you to lift your hand. Tons of hands. Thank you. God, I thank you so much. God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that your son came and died on a cross so that sitting in this room, a group of people, several of which just said, yes, I want to enter into a relationship with Jesus. God, I thank you that they have the opportunity right now to just say, Father, forgive me for I am a sinner and come and be the Lord and Savior of my life. God, thank you. Scripture tells us that all of heaven is celebrating the couple of hands that just went up. And God, I just thank you and rejoice in the fact that that you're celebrating them. And God, their eternity is forever connected to you. God, I pray right now for every person that lifted their hands that say, God, I want to be a rooftop digger. God, I'm willing to sacrificially give of my time, my talent, my resources, my abilities. God, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to drive back and forth with trash cans full of water for your kingdom and for your glory. And God, I'm okay not being in the room. God, thank you for a group of people that are willing to lead and love like the people at Canton Church do. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.